think about um, who our Father is, what kind of Father uh, we really have. Um, Matthew 6 finds us in the middle of, uh, or I guess really towards the end, of the um, Sermon on the Mount. Um, We have a a great um, series of teachings about prayer. There's much we can say about this text, but we're going to uh, look solely at the Lord's Prayer this morning as a reference point, starting off point to think about uh, who our Father is. Let's go to the Lord and ask Him for His help. Father, we thank You that we can call You Father, something that we uh, should not uh, take for granted. Indeed, when Jesus uh, prayed our Father, um, it would have been staggering for the disciples to hear, to be um, instructed to pray this way. So Lord, in our time together this morning, I pray that you would return to us just what an amazing truth this is, that we can call you Father, Abba, Pops. Um, Be with us by your Spirit, we ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Matthew 6, starting at verse 5. Hear now the word of the Lord. And when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The grass withers, the flowers fade, the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. Um, Perhaps you might think the Lord's Prayer might be an odd choice for a Father's Day sermon. But the reality is that we learn a lot about who our Heavenly Father really is from these few short verses. From the Luke text, we find some more context here. And we find that the 12 disciples had gone to Jesus and they asked Him, Okay, how do we pray, Lord? How do we pray? Um, Certainly things were changing. Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah. He was the Messiah. It was a true claim. He was saying some pretty... Fantastic things. And he was even calling uh, God his own personal father, which in the Jewish mind was an equality, a claim to be God himself. And so they ask, in light of all these things, how then should we pray? Jesus' answer and his instructions to us in the Lord's Prayer, which is really meant to be a pattern for prayer rather than to be recited... As a pattern for prayer. His answer then uh, tells us a lot about how we are to address God and the nature of our relationship with Him. Think about it. How you address someone and what you say to them says a lot about your relationship to them. Imagine that you were granted an audience with the President of the United States, whether you like them or not. And, and they met with you right before you went in and said, okay, here are the things you can and cannot do. 
They would tell you exactly what to do, exactly how to address him. You couldn't go in there, bounding in there to go and run and give him a bear hug. You'd never make it. First of all, the Secret Service would put you on the floor. Uh, You couldn't go up to him. You couldn't call him buddy or pal because while he is your president and may be good, bad, or otherwise, he is neither your buddy nor your pal. Your relationship is shown in how you address him and what you can say to him. How then were the disciples to begin their prayers? What were they even to call God? That's a loaded question, isn't it? What were they even to call God? There there were lots and lots of options in the Old Testament. I mean, tons of options they could have called God. that the, The Lord Jesus could have instructed them to say, Lord, Almighty, God, Yahweh... Lord of hosts, creator, we could spend all day going through the names of God in the Old Testament. But it would have been staggering, staggering. When Jesus opened his mouth, and in the Aramaic and the Greek both, the first word was Father. In the English, it's our, the possessive pronoun comes before the noun. uh, But in, in the original languages, his first word was Father. Nowhere in the Old Testament do you see individuals praying to God as their personal father. This is new revelation. It was so intimate. The Jews of the Old Testament wouldn't even use the name of God lest they get too close to blaspheming His name. Indeed, Jews today will not even use the substitute which is used for God. Instead of saying Adonai, which is the substitute, they say Hashem, which means the name. So they are three levels away from the name of God. And yet when Jesus teaches his disciples and therefore to us also, what does he say? The very first word, Father. Our Father. So we have so much to learn. So much to learn from the Lord's Prayer about how we are to view our God, as our Father. We learn that He's a personal Father, a powerful Father, and a providing Father. It's nice when they line up with the same letter. Uh, I didn't try that this week. It just happened. Um, Personal, powerful, and providing Father. The first is we see that He's a personal Father. This is not a given, by the way. It's not a given that God is our Father. It's common nowadays to speak of God, the Creator, as everyone's Father. We are all children of God. My friends, that's very much not true. Indeed, those who do not know the Lord Jesus as their Savior, their Father is not God. In fact, in in the book of John, when Jesus is talking to folks who don't know the Lord, do you know who says is their Father? Satan. There's a hard truth on Father's Day, right? Um, But for those who have been born again, those who have come to know the Lord as their Lord and Savior, those who have been saved, we can call God our Father. John 1 um, 12 through 13 says, But to all who did receive him, Christ, we, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We went from not being children of God to being the children of God, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He is our creator, but only those who have been born again can call God their father. And what an amazing thing this is. It matters who our Father is. 
Think about this. This means that our pops, our papa, our abba, he is the one who created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. The 300 sextillion stars, he set their courses above. He governs their movements. He made the seas and the land. He he set the the boundaries of the firmaments. He put the, the, the seas within their gates. He not only made everything, he orders everything. He governs all things. He sustains all things. And he made it by the very word of his power. And this is our Father. It matters who our father is. If you've had a father who had a political pull in town, you know that it mattered who your father was. Or if you had a father who didn't have political pull in town, it also mattered who your father wasn't. But our father is the one who created, sustains, governs, judges all things. But not only this, he is not only um, our father, he is a personal father. There are a lot of kinds of fathers on earth, some good and some bad. And some are easy to talk to and others really don't care what their children have to say. I I believe I've used this illustration before, but but the famous songwriter and and singer uh, Michael Card uh, tells the story of his father who would come home from work and go immediately to his study and close the door. And it was understood that his children were not allowed in the study. And Michael wanted so badly to spend time with his father. He so badly wanted to please his father. He so badly wanted to talk to his father. And so he would write little notes and slide them under the door, hoping that his father would come out to speak to him. How different is our father in heaven? When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he teaches them that they can come into the presence of their God and their personal father at any time, at any point, with anything. They don't have to make an appointment. They don't have to go through a secretary. They don't have to slide a note under the door. They don't have to hope for a chance meeting in the hall. That we have access always before our loving and personal Heavenly Father. No other religion teaches this, by the way. No other religion teaches this. Christianity and the Bible are unique. God isn't bothered when we come to Him. Indeed, He rejoices when we come to Him. He loves to hear from his children. We can come to him with confidence. Uh, Hebrews 4.16 makes this abundantly clear. We read, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in time uh, to help in time of need. Isn't that an amazing statement, the word confidence? We go in there with confidence. Think about all the people who have access to presidents and kings and leaders and CEOs and all those other uh, big wig titles. You have chiefs of staff, you have secretaries, security details. Theoretically, they always have access to these important people. But it's different when the king or the president is your dad. You can come bounding in with boldness. With a boldness that only comes from an intimate relationship and having confidence that you will be accepted and allowed into His presence. And that is our relationship with our King and our God and our Father. There's nothing that will ever happen that will remove our welcome mat before the throne, even when we sin, even when we really mess up. That's when He leaves a light on for you. <laughs> the welcome mat's always out, but he's, he's there waiting for you when you especially need Him. 
Indeed, our problem is that we don't go there enough. As a personal father, our father is near to us. We don't have to travel to Jerusalem to make a special trip to the church, hold our heads just right, or pray towards Jerusalem. We can at any time seek His help and presence and fellowship with us, with Him. He is always with us. He is a God who hears His people. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. This is how it's always been, by the way. As we learn more about our relationship with our Father in the New Testament, God has always been personally with His people. When we read in Genesis 3 of, of God walking in the cool of the garden, do you remember what was the reaction of Adam and Eve? They ran, they, they hid. But they hid not because of God's presence, as if it was something strange or new. It was because they were ashamed and had sinned. God had always been there. And in some special way, we don't even know what that looks like. God was without a body. And yet He was walking here in the garden with them. Perhaps this is the pre-incarnate Christ. We just don't know. But God has always been personal with His people. As we think about the Old Testament history, we see God's dwelling place, His special dwelling place, first in the tabernacle and then later in the temple. But now that Christ has come, we have something even greater. We have Emmanuel, God, with us. He has dwelt. The Word has become flesh and He has dwelt among us. John 1.14. The second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, He came to reconcile us to His Father so that His Father might be our Father. And do you know what? Your, your Father loves you. Did you know that? That your Heavenly Father loves you. Your Heavenly Father Loves you. You are loved by your heavenly father. He delights in you. Your father loves you. And yet, we so often live as if we're orphans. We live as if we don't have a God who cares for us, a Father who provides for us, a Father who delights in our presence, a Father who hears us when we call upon Him, who knows every tear that we shed, and that He indeed knows our name. Our Father is there. How have you forgotten in your day-to-day life that God is your Father, if indeed you know Him as Father? Well, he is a personal father. He's also a powerful father. As we continue in the Lord's Prayer, we see that he is indeed a very powerful God. We can speak theologically in terms of God's eminence and transcendence. Eminence is the fact that he is close, that he is our father. His transcendence, that that he is holy, he is other, and he is in heaven. And God is both. And we should never forget either one of those. It is always a tension. As we speak of our Father and who is in heaven, He is also where? He is in heaven. He is enthroned on high. Only God is enthroned on high. His name is worthy to be hallowed. Only He is worthy to be hallowed. That is, lifted up and glorified. He alone is worthy of praise and worship. He has a kingdom and His kingdom will never know an end. His kingdom is coming and already is here And there's no one who can resist this king, no power strong enough to thwart our father and his purposes, and he has no fear of losing. His will will always be done, period, full stop. And we can go to the bank on that. 
He delivers us from temptation. And He delivers us from the evil one. He protects us and the church not only from ourselves and temptation, but also the evil one and His many powers of evil. And to Him alone belong kingdom and power and glory. This is our Father. And having a personal, loving, and close Father who is also omnipotent, all-powerful, and everywhere at the same time, this makes all the difference in the world. So that when we go to Him in confidence, knowing that He hears us, He not only hears us, but He is able to act, and able to work, and able to remember His people and work on their behalf to fight for us. Fathers are superheroes to their children. I'm still in that period, and it's great. I know one day that's going to end. Um, but you know, fathers can do, there's nothing they can't do in their kids' eyes when they're young. But the reality is, it's just not true. Lizzie woke up in the night throwing up in her bed. She has a stomach bug. And, uh, and I, can't, I, I, I can't heal her. I can clean out her bed. I can help Christy. I can sing to her. I can comfort her when she's scared. But I can't heal her. And her bigger problem is her heart. I can't change her heart. There's nothing I can do to change her heart. I discipline. I can't change her heart. Only the Lord can change her heart. I can't control Lizzie. I can't control Thomas. I can't make them obey, though we certainly try. I cannot um, cause them to no longer fear. But my Father can. He can do all those things. And so we pray. And we pray. And we pray. And then when we're tired of praying and our knees are, are worn thin, we pray harder. So that my father might be their father for all of eternity. But our God, he is not like fallen, imperfect fathers like me. There's nothing that daunts him. He's not daunted by loss of income, jobs, or employment, or reputation. Errant children do not stymie his plan. Illness and chronic pain are not out of his control. Mental illness isn't something beyond him, and neither is death. Because in Christ, God himself hung upon the cross, and in his human nature, Jesus died for us that we might be his children. This is the kind of father that we have. If you were at Bible school this week, then you'll have heard us sing that great song, my, my God is so big and so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My Father is so big and so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. On this Father's Day this morning, in what ways have you forgotten that your Father is all-powerful? Where are those strongholds of fear? God hasn't given you that fear. That doesn't come from him. He is powerful. He fights for his people. We see that he's a personal father, a powerful father, but he's also a providing father. We see this in two ways, physical and spiritual. Verses 11 through 12. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You know, it's hard to even read this text without slipping into how we recite it every Sunday morning, isn't it? It's so, so well known to us, which is both a blessing and a curse. 
because we forget of the amazing truths that are contained in the Lord's Prayer. Um, God provides for us physically. Uh, not always like we want. You may not have a, a Mercedes or a second home or a truck, but the Lord has provided for you. You're sitting here this morning. Um, God delights to take care of his children. How often, though, do we struggle with believing that God will provide all I need? Notice that it says, give us this day our daily bread. That doesn't mean the daily bread for the next day. It's kind of like the manna. You know, God's people had to go out every day and look for the manna, except for the Sabbath. They would get double the night before. Um, And so we pray daily for the daily bread. And that keeps us reliant upon him. Um, Romans 8.32 says, "He He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Or later in Matthew 6, Matthew 6 is an amazing text. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? Verse 32, for the Gentiles seek after these things, and your Father, heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And God's provision for us, He already knows what we need. Indeed, He knows better than what we need. Because a lot of the needs that I think I need are, are apparently just wants. Uh, and He's smarter than me. Praise the Lord. Wiser than I am. Praise the Lord. And He provides what I need. And then some. Then some. But the greatest thing of everything we'll talk about this morning is spiritual provision. It's the provision by which we become children of God that we can call Him our Father. Um, because the thing is, if we had everything that we need in this world but nothing to help us in the one to come, we'd be in a heap of trouble. A heap of trouble here is called hell. If we would gain the whole world and yet forfeit our souls, what, of what value is that? So the greater provision that God has granted to us in verse 12 is that He has granted to us provision for forgiveness of sins. I love when we go through the Lord's Prayer. My current favorite phrase is the forgiveness of sins. Where can we go for the forgiveness of sins? For we all need this. And yet in Christ Jesus, He has provided for us. He has granted to us that forgiveness of sins. Um, the, the book of Acts makes it really apparent that even repentance is a gift from the Lord. Even when we repent, that is God's working in our heart. It is not a work of our own. And this is what He did for us. The thing is that we deserve to go to hell now and for all of eternity to be under God's wrath and curse forever and ever. This is the fundamental basis of Christianity. Without this, there is no Christianity because without the knowledge that we deserve to go to hell, there is no need for a Savior, period, and we should just go home. The reality is that Christ has come and He has taken upon Himself the punishment that you and I deserve that His children should have gotten on the cross for us. Can a broken airplane fix itself? No. Neither can I. But God has provided. He has provided salvation for us. He sent His Son Jesus to pay the price that was required for us to have eternal life. The second person of the Trinity in His human nature died in our place on two wooden beams nailed together 
And as the wrath that we deserve, hell itself was poured out on him by our Father. He did this so that we might call God our Father. One of the greatest things about this text is that there's the promise of forgiveness. Have you received this forgiveness? This is our only hope in this life or the next. There's so much we get distracted by. Um, But the most important thing in this life and the next is that we've been provided salvation by Christ Jesus. Can you call God your Father this morning? Don't leave this place without calling on Him as Father. Don't do it. He holds out to you this morning the promise of forgiveness. There's nothing that you could have ever done, said, or thought that is too much, too dirty, too heinous for God to forgive. Jesus has paid for it. May you turn to Him and call Him your Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the deep, deep, deep abiding love that You have shown us And that you would sacrifice your own natural son. That we who are your enemies might be declared to be your adopted children. We rejoice in that. We marvel at that. Lord, may we live our lives in the full and fuller understanding of your love for us, our Father. Amen.